Welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're growing a brand around your nerdy passion, you can learn from business and marketing podcasts, or you can learn from nerds like you. This is the show built by bloggers, cosplayers, gamers, artists, and other entrepreneurs that are making the things you love. How's it going, everyone? I'm talking to Justin Hanlon from Crit Academy. They are an awesome D&D discussion podcast that's done over 230 episodes, and they have also done a ton of D&D-specific products on the DMs Guild, um, you know, different subclasses and adventures and supplements uh, like my favorite. Um, they're the terrain options uh, for different kinds of terrain that you can use. Uh, and they've also kickstarted last year Memorable Monsters, a ton of great uh, monsters, not just the stat blocks, but the lore and, and different stuff. So you can plug them right into your game. And their second Kickstarter is now running for Capes and Crooks, a superhero RPG that um, is a complete RPG system that uses the D&D 5th edition system as a framework. Uh, so, Justin, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me on, Tim. Again, <laughs> last yeah, time uh, you, when you had us on your podcast, I know this is going to be a new thing, but that was when we, but just before we were planning our first product, we have done over like 23, 24 products since then. And uh, it has been, it has been a journey. So I want to thank you for having me on again. Yeah, I forgot to mention, and podcast guest on the Entrepreneur Podcast uh, way back, uh, somewhere in the 40s, I'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> I remember which it I was done quite uh, as many as you. Yeah. Well, yeah, two, I didn't really, you said two thirty, and I was like, holy crap, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> We're still chugging along, which I said it once. I'll say it again. My wife didn't think I'd get past two episodes. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> you needed that uh, extra push to get through it out of spite. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's talk superheroes. Um, so uh, I've I've played in a couple of um, superhero style games just using D and D fifth edition, but this like uh, so I'm assuming over the past year you've been developing this. You've uh, yes. you've run a, a superhero game or two uh, and used some different systems. So what's uh like what's the key to a good superhero RPG? Like what kind of tones are you trying to hit? What kind of like what what have you found successful? So. In my experience, superheroes come in really two categories. That very dark, gritty realism like The Boys or um, some of the tone that ba the Batman movies come with. Um, and then the very comical Avenger-style superheroes where Hulk busts through a building but conveniently nobody dies. Um, and so we tried to ride a line kind of between there. Um, we tried to keep the, 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 we wanted the, the core to be fun and exciting and fun for all ages, but to also be able to include the, the more realistic aspects of the game that of side effects of what the heroes do, because, uh, when we decided to make a superhero game, first your characters have to be super. They've got to, their powers have to be obvious that they're above and beyond. And then secondly, the, <laughs> The, the, the tone of the game, we wanted it to be very fun and engaging uh, for the players, uh, specifically uh, so we can target all ranges. Um, 
but this rule setting allows you to kind of play both sides if you so choose. Um, but we went to more with the kind of Avengers, hopefully, you know, not too many people die kind of uh, feel. But the big core was how can I um, make the heroes feel super? And the best way to do that is to uh, make it so they can beat up and take out a lot of baddies at once. That was one of the before I even delved into removing the subclass system. I started experimenting with what we call cronies and henchmen because in fifth edition, all your monsters have hit points. They, you know, from your lowest level to your highest level, they got a variety of hit points. Well, in superhero comic books and in the movies, you know, the flash or speedster runs in, takes out five guys before anybody knows what's going on. The traditional monster rule set didn't really allow for that very well. Um, so by adding the cronies and henchmen, which cronies have go down in one hit and henchmen go down in two hits, um, allows you to throw a wave and wave at your players so that you can really get that I'm super, <laughs> I'm super strong, I'm super fast kind of uh, feeling from the game. And that was one of the core changes that we made. Um, obviously, regular monsters and regular stat blocks are still plentiful, but these allow you to kind of give the heroes the, the big baddie, the, the little baddies that they can just deal with and become more of a nuisance um, and consume resources so that way the characters can gradually feel the difference between the strength of them, normal minions, and then, of course, the villain. Because if you're taking out the minions in one or two shots and then you fight the villain and all of a sudden, you know, it's an hour-long battle, that really just shows how great your adversary is versus, you know, the more mundane minions. That's always, like, the scene in, in like, a superhero movie where, like, you know, Superman will just five seconds go through an army and then all of a sudden like Hit a bunch gets stopped by something and it's like yep. oh this is an opponent that's and that's exactly the feeling that we wanted to catch because you know you're watching the heroes and reading the comics that's the sort of thing that happens all the time so that was one of the my, the tweaks that we had to adjust to the rules to kind of compensate for that which i think turned out great <laughs> yeah because i, I Remember, um, you were talking about it, and maybe in maybe your podcast, kind of some people mentioning that the the characters creating are maybe a little overpowered, and it's like that's kind of the point. That's kind like, of the point. You want to feel like a superhero, like <laughs> yeah, you know, Superman, the Flash, like uh, uh, are all like. So yeah, what were like? What are some of the ways that someone can like help make their their player characters feel overpowered? Uh, in fifth edition or in Capes and Crooks specifically? Uh, both. So, you know, kind of, oh, yeah. you, you've done some awesome stuff with Capes and Crooks as far as like the, the a la carte right, way right. that you can pick powers. Yes. But, uh... So one of the things that we wanted, um, the one thing that 5e lacks that you need if you want to play a superhero is customization. While I'm a big fan of the class and archetype system that they've come up with, it didn't lend itself well to the superhero genre for customization because let's be honest when we play a superhero game we either want to play our favorite comic book heroes that we grew up with or we want to complete uh, build a completely new um hero and make them feel as super as they can so um while we did make adjustments by removing the subclass system some of the powers are a little bit stronger but they don't they don't go far off that you couldn't you could still use them into a 5e game uh, if you wanted to to do that, and it wouldn't be so imbalanced that it wouldn't be 
that it would be noticeable. So it's worth noting on that. There, it, Because of the minion system, there are a remarkable amount of abilities that can do a little bit of AoE damage, you know. Punching a stone and sending it flying doesn't just hit the target, but, you know, sends pebbles scattering in all directions and does, you know, 1d4 of damage in all directions might be taking out some of the cronies, right? Um and so in order to, we wanted to really give them the, the, the feeling of customization and that they had complete control over the power of their character. So in, in that, we decided we were going to ditch the uh, subclass system, which came up with a whole new collection of uh, problems. But we did kind of stick to the general uh, class archetype where the cl you pick a class or a role, we call it, then that determines the kind of niche you're trying to fill. So the example I always use because it's really easy and everyone can relate is the Barbarian and the Hulk. They're not too dissimilar, right? The Barbarian uh, rages and they can take all kinds of extra damage and they get stronger. That's kind of what the Brute, the Brute fills that role, but you don't have all the core powers that tie him to a melee type character right so instead when you pick your role that comes with like the ultimate defense which is the analog for rage it's a little bit improved for uh for the purposes since we removed the uh the subclass systems but for the most part it's kind of the barbarian template and then as you when you pick at level one you get to start picking your powers that kind of okay now i know i want to fill the role of the brute how do i want to do this um, it starts with your background. Do you want to be an experiment? Did your power come from being an experiment? Was it an accident? Did somebody hand you a magical ring that gave you this power? Um, so we have the kind of origins that fill the role of races, um, except they're a little bit... Dark vision is not plentiful in Capes and Crooks. There is only one origin that gives dark vision because that is something that should be um, taken... should be... 5e always struggles with the fact, oh, I got dark vision. And so we strip that away from most most uh, origins. But um, so once you pick the origin, okay, I decide I want to play like the Hulk. We'll use that as an example. So I'm going to pick powers like air launch, which allows me to hit somebody, knock them into the air, and then follow up behind them and knock them back to the ground. Um, and I might pick another power called ground slam, which is, you know, they slam onto the ground and it creates a shockwave and a cone effect that every creature must make, save a, make a deck save or take some damage and fall prone. So in the sense, it works similar to some of the cantrips in 5e. If you ever seen the, um, the bonding blade can or, uh, the booming blade cantrip. Uh, where it gives you an effect and you hit somebody. So we kind of started with that as kind of a, a, a template um, for our powers that were non-related, not related to sending objects flying in random directions or shooting laser beams out of your eyes. So with that, we were able to say, okay, we can do this by allowing them to make attacks and then give them an extra power that really makes them feel like they're doing something within the theme that they're going for. So... Uh, with that, they would pick up uh, either the air launch or the ground slam would be like the first two at-wills, we call them, at-will powers. You know, Cyclops has that power where he can always shoot laser beams, but he can't always shoot the big giant one where he pulls off his goggles and then it not nearly knocks him on his butt because he's out of, out of juice or energy or whatever you want to call it. Um, so we have at-wills in place of either making attacks, which you can still do. The rules for making attacks includes weapons, even laser swords and automatic weapons and all that stuff. 
But once you you pick your powers, those are kind of the things you're going to be using all the time. So you don't really need a weapon unless that's the direction you want to go. And there are at-wills that are just utility and you might carry a weapon and only use those for certain situations. A good example would be the implosion grenade. You throw that and it sucks all the minions, enemies into a small area and drags them there so somebody can AOE them all. Um, that in and of itself doesn't really do damage but it's a powerful utility ability that's actually used as a bonus action. So now I get to throw a grenade and still, you know, shoot, stab, you know, punch, whatever. Um, and then the next thing was, okay, now you've picked your powers. As you level up, you get superpowers. Well, superpowers are not dissimilar to spells in 5e. Because um, really, what's the difference between the burning hand spell and a flamethrower? Not really a whole hell of a lot, right? So we decided that we would take the, the, the 5e template for spells and that would quote-unquote be our, our, our superpowers. And then we wanted to add enhancements on top of that, more customization because 5e doesn't really have that. So now we've got these little enhancements, which you can kind of think of them as like mini, mini feats. They're not as potent as the feats in 5e. They're more closely resembled the older feats um, where they do specific things. You can pick this one and it'll uh, enhance your damage or you pick this one or it'll enhance your speed or, or, you know, whatever. But then we had to decide, well, we want them to be super, but you can't be super all the time. I mean, even Superman in a fight gets knocked on his butt occasionally and gets exhausted. So we actually looked at the warlock, um, and they get their spells and stuff back on a short rest. So we opted to take all the superhero powers and let them recharge on a short rest. And then after some play testing, we decided, well, let's, let's make short rest five minutes. So now your short rests are five minutes and the heroes can do the, their superpower, you know, almost every encounter basically, um, and still feel super, but still have the versatility of their at wills and their enhancements. That feels like it fits the superhero genre too. Cause it's like that always, you know, the, the villain, their, the villain will win and the, the superhero will be under a ton of bricks and, you know, completely yep. spent. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, they'll, they'll have a little inner monologue and they're back to full strength or, and then some, and uh, they're ready to go in round two. Ab absolutely. And once again, that was, that was the, what we wanted to be able to capture. Um, especially uh, in one of the play tests we did, the, one of the players engaged the, the big bad, uh, the big bad supervillain before the party decided to rest. Cause he's a speedster and he doesn't give a damn, you know, he just, he'd be darting around. So he's so far ahead of everybody else. So what ended up happening is he ended up delaying and having the guy basically chase him while they all took a break. <laughs> like I was like, how long do you got? So obviously the mechanics for that, leaving him in a, a battle for an entire five minutes, um, didn't make sense uh, narratively. So we basically did a, uh, a skill challenge or a collection of roles to simulate what he was doing um, and end up basically being an old school flash, you know, you know, darting around, chasing him and drawing him away while they, you know, recovered, quote unquote. And that was one of the most super moments for him because he's like, I really felt at that moment that I was a speedster. I was running around town and this guy was chasing me in his, his hover hoverboard thing. And it was really cool. Obviously it was all narrative and he would talk about, you know, class going back and forth and stuff. But um, in the end, it led to him communicating with them, setting up a trap. So when he led them back into this, this warehouse, they all ambushed the villain. So it really, the, the rules 
have really made it seem like you can easily be uh, you could, we improved our theory that you could use 5e to make a successful superhero game because we got a lot of flack when we mentioned it early on that you can't do that. But it turns out after playtesting, it works really, really, really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In playtesting, what have been some of the uh, like ways that you've facilitated some of those heroic moments? Like what uh, like as people are playing a superhero RPG, how can they give players those moments that really feel like, you know, the flash chasing, being chased up and down city buildings or, you know, Spider-Man all of a sudden swinging through uh, and, you know, coming in. <laughs> I think a lot of that comes down to uh, what we call the transition narration. So um, it's easy for DMs and game masters to describe, you know, action as it kind of happens. You roll it. Okay, you hit. Now tell them. So you go in there, you run, you throw a punch. Okay, that's great. Okay, how much damage? Roll damage, you know, do damage. And that's kind of how traditionally I've noticed people run the games. But we took a different approach, a couple of different ways to ensure that narrative kind of continues. Um, and by focusing on narrative transitions, so you do your attack, you do your roll, you tell me everything you're going to do, all the rolls are on the table, then the dungeon master or game master or overseer um, then narrates all of that and then transitions into the next person's turn as if it's a... Um, like a, a comic book panel, right? So instead of doing one thing systematically, like the kind of rules kind of tell you how to do, you, d you decide all the actions, then you describe it in a super way because the game mechanics don't care if you move 30 feet or 100 feet if you just say you move. But if you're playing a speedster and he runs in from target to target and does a couple punches, knocking out a couple minions, um, and you turn to the next person and you say, um, Tim, a blur of red lightning flashes around the entire room and you blink with a crackle. You hear a booming thunder, uh, a strike of thunder and three enemies go flying into pillars and are knocked unconscious. And all you see is Justin there with giving you uh, the good job thing as the speedster just knocks everybody out. You know, all that is more um, interesting and from a narrative standpoint than just saying, all right, Tim, you uh, run from this guy, you punched him, you're under this guy, you punched him, you're under this guy, and you punched him. Where do you stop? Right here? Okay. So I think it really just comes down to that instead of narrating stuff as it happens, pick the transition between players' turns and then describe it and then turn to the other player and say, what do you do now? Because as soon as I say the, 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 the guys go flying into pillars and the speedster just kind of gives you a good job, you know, uh, uh, a salute, you instantly now know it's your turn. What are you going to do? And that's just a, in general, a more um, memorable experience uh, as far, in, in my opinion. That's what um, Zipper on Disney has a good uh, episode about kind of that narrative combat of like, you know, you describe it and then you use that to transition. And I always, even in fantasy games, I think about uh, the that combat from the first Avengers where like, uh -huh. Iron Man swoops in, he, uh, like, he uh, shield arc reactor blast with uh, Captain America, flies up, you see, uh, like, he flies past Hawkeye, focusing on Hawkeye now, he fires an arrow past the Hulk and Thor, and, like, it's that perfect, like, panning through an action scene, uh, like, transitioning from one person to the other. I'm glad you uh, mentioned Zipper on Disney because that's a 100%. He was a guest on our show, and I had nothing but praise for that technique because it has done nothing but make me a better DM. And that's why I want to 
include some of those details and descriptions in this book because it's something that needs to be passed on um, to help not only better your superhero game, but also your fantasy, your, you know, your, your whatever, you know, RPG you're, you're playing. Um, so he's a, he's a good guy. He's been on the show a couple times and I really in, uh, enjoy his work. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's got some great <laughs> insights into that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, some great uh, videos there. Um, but yeah, so sure. that's awesome that you're, cause that's one of the biggest values of, uh, reading other RPG systems is yes. getting like DM advice that can, you can apply to any game. And this is, so what other, like, so Tell me a little bit about the the book and, and the Kickstarter project and what's going to be included in that. All right. So uh, Capes and Crooks, for uh, is a, as we have talked, is a fifth edition superhero RPG. Obviously, it's based on the 5 year rule set. Um, there's a lot we want to include right now. We have a very hefty uh, goal on our Kickstarter at 30K because we want to hire some of the best writers. In addition to myself, I want to get all custom art if I can. I want to uh, not only include uh, a multitude of options, but I basically want to include everything you would expect out of a monster manual, a DMG, and a uh, player's handbook all into one book. And so this is not going to be 300 plus pages. Um, one thing that we really want to focus heavy on is because this is our first time building and fleshing out like an entire setting. There needs to be a lot of details. Um, one thing that really sets capes and crooks apart is the fact that the the rise, which we haven't we haven't shared with what that that is yet, but it's what stemmed or, or really started the the appearance of heroes, right? And it's in recent memory, like 25 years ago. So the world is still trying to adjust uh, adjust to the fact that there's people that can think and blow things up. And so the world wasn't really prepared for that, but not only did it infect the uh, or affect the people, but it also affected the land and the creatures. So now you get kind of these strange monstrosities kind of running around. So that was something that we wanted to include because then... Because you're going to have the evil genius doctor guy um, as well. So there is already precedent to include uh, strange things. But we want to have, you know, these kind of cities only be the only safe havens um, after some time. So you can basically open the world up to and even plop your own customized city inside. You know, the the book we're writing is big focus is going to be Cobalt City. Um, which is one of these cities that was erected not by the government, but by a private organization that wants to help the governments deal with the the rise of these. We call them deviants, though uh, we're we're kind of on the fence of whether we were go- probably going to have to change that because it does apparently uh, have some uh, not so good connotations with it that we weren't aware of, you know. I'm a privileged white guy, so of course I wasn't aware. But uh, those, so there's little things like that. But currently they're called deviants, and the world doesn't look too kindly on them for good or ba- bad or worse. Whether they look hideous because they've got spikes coming out, uh, maybe because they've uh, they're uh, you know uncontr- can't control their powers, you know, and so the laws still apply, and our heroes who are trying to be heroes are still breaking the law. Um, because vigilanteism, being a vigilante is still against the law. So what really makes Capes and Crooks interesting is the fact that not only are they battling these 
people who want to do bad, but they also have to deal with the people that want to do good. And so one of the ways that we wanted to um, include that in the, the, the book was uh, instead of like a, a, a uh, alignment system, we want to have like a public opinion system, right? So when you blow up a building, they're coming for you because not only were there people in the building, but it's public property you did damaged, you know? So the players' characters will have to kind of fight from both sides um, while doing what's right. That's where uh, secret identities or alter egos come in place, right? Where uh, you have to kind of keep that, you know, secret identity and kind of they, similar to analog for backgrounds, kind of things that you were doing up to that point or you do when you're not saving the world. Like Clark Kent is a, works at the Daily Bugle, or no, that's not him. He works at the Daily Planet. Too many dailies, I guess. Um, but those are things that we really want to flesh out because currently the play, full playtest is available at our Kickstarter. You can find it at rebrand.ly slash bat capes and crooks um, or just type in capes and crooks in Kickstarter or Google. But um, in the playtest, that's just a, a couple of paragraphs at the moment. And we, I have all these notes and stuff of all these things that I want to do. I want to bring on writers to help make this its own world, its own setting, something that people will be happy to have. And that includes, you know, the monsters, all the player options, and all the story and lore. And um, that's a lot for one book. <laughs> it makes it really big <laughs> and really costly to make. But we didn't want people to have to already own the 5e books to get into it. Um, so there is some crossover there. Um, yeah, additionally, you don't even need to, the you know, D&D player's handbook. Right. You've got a lot of that information in there. And, uh, yep. you know, not only the stuff that you've kind of reworked for Capes and Crooks, but many, some of the just like, you know, actions and combat mechanics seems like you've, you've transferred that into your book. So it's, it's the one book that you'll need. Yeah. Um, we're fortunate. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows, but Wizards of the Coast allows you to use what's called a system reference document. And it gives you all the basically the rules and stuff that you're allowed to use and publish in your own projects. So if people don't have D&D, they can still still use those rule sets. Um, and yeah, you mentioned and, the, the play test because you were talking about like, you know, some things that you might be changing. Uh, so that yep. seems like uh, this is Always an awesome changing. time to, to get in on it and, uh, you know, take a take it for a test drive and add some input as you're as you're still kind of developing the whole thing yep our uh play test does have a sample adventure in it as well um that you can run right off of the the download include some pre-generated characters if you don't want to build your character though um i ran a game for one shot onslaught group and they said this is the most fun i've ever had building a character in an rpg so um that was an amazing thing to hear because that means all that work I put into trying to get everything right uh, really did make an impact. Because um, it, it's hard sometimes, especially without you need the play testing. Because like one of the big changes we made is our powers, the at will scale with the players. Like in Five E, you get the cantrips that you know the firebolt, for instance, does one d ten fire damage. Then at level five, it does two d ten fire damage. And level eleven, three. So all it does is increase in damage. Well, um, instead, we decided that we wanted them to evolve 
with the character. So as they got stronger, they learned to work their power a little better. So a good example would be the, um, the heat vision or the heat ray, I think is what it's called. Um, and it starts off as a D10, but at uh, level five, uh, it evolves further. So not only is it uh, do 2D10, um, in one iteration, it did a line effect. I don't know which iteration that is right now, but um, it can eventually it can do a line effect. So it's basically, you know, when, you know, Superman uses his heat vision and wipes through several enemies at once. It can, I mean, if you line it up, you can take out a dozen or so, you know, cronies and henchmen with this bad boy. And um, beyond that, when they hit 17th level, some of the powers get new actions that you can do on top of using it as a... Uh, as an attack, one of the examples is the uh, the uh, oh I can't remember it's a, a a laser uh, I can't remember the name of it like a laser uh, a laser blast or something like that and uh, you can actually conjure it into a blade when you're not you know releasing it as a beam of doom at people or at a higher level it can uh, turn into like a, an AOE effect that strikes people from the sky all of it's the same power but at different tiers, it gets kind of a boost. And when you're building your character, you got to kind of keep those into consideration uh, too, as you, you know, evolve. So that's one of the things I like about um, like, especially comic books over the years with different writers and stuff, they'll like, it'll be a simple power of like, um, you know, like static shock also can use like telekinesis or you can draw in mm -hmm. other things or like, like finding or like the human torch finding like a very, starts as a very basic power you know 40 years ago but now like they've found all these unique ways to use it and uh have it evolve as the as the character kind of experiments and gets better at using yep. it it's called energy spear i found it nice. <laughs> it's driving me nuts not knowing the name of my own power <laughs> um but yeah um, i'm uh i'm pumped to give it a play test myself um and so yeah the uh the play test is available all the docs on the Kickstarter and on your website and the Kickstarter is currently running until Thursday, until July 29th. And there's, and when it, it's pretty common with Kickstarter to get easily 30% of your funding in the last 72 hours. Um, but, um, it still takes a good push from all of the, uh, the content creators and like all the influencers and stuff that we can contact and such as yourself. Thank you for having me on uh, to, to help, you know, reach those, uh, those uh, people that want to help bring something like this to life. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm excited to, uh, to check out Capes and Crooks and start playing it. And uh, yeah, this was, this was great to get a little more inside insight on how it's going to work. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast by Under the Capes. I hope this episode has helped motivate you to either start or grow your geek brands. If you liked the episode, I would love if you could give us a rating and a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to be listening from. And feel free to connect with us on social media, on Twitter at Under the Capes, on Facebook at Under the Capes, and on Instagram at Under the Capes Cosplay. Thanks so much and have a great day.